Get your handouts out. I mean, I've got, I didn't know how many would be here today. I bought like, I bought like 50. Hershey loves you. The whole front page. What we're going to do, we've been talking about missionaries ever since uh, January 5th when Steve did the first uh, lesson on missionary. We started our mission series. So this whole first page here is all about review of how far we've come. And it's really pretty cool when you look back. So. On January 5th, Steve gave us a good message about missions, what the Bible says about missions. Does anyone remember how he used the the verses in the Bible to define what missions is? We started in Genesis about how man was born after God, or Adam was not born, but Adam had God's image, and that image was, was severed. He fell. And then in Colossians, he took us to Colossians, to talk about how our image is restored with Christ. Mm-hmm. So missions is all about restoring the right. fallen image. That was, that was what Steve taught us, if I summarize that. That's good. <laughs> all right, it's gone, Pat, man. All right, so that was the answer there. Restoring God's it's restoring God's image in a fallen man. Yeah, that was, that was the Bible definition of missions. It's not going to the jungles of, of Ecuador necessarily. You know, it's about restoring people's the the, the, the fallen image, okay, putting on the new man. Yes. All right. So then, the next week after Steve was January twelfth. Remember, Ryan Calloway was here. Ryan and Tammy both. Where are Brian and Tammy from? Zambia. Zambia, Africa. Here you go, Kevin. Actually, I'll give one for Rich, too, just because he's a good guy. (laughs) Brian and Tammy are in in, uh, Zambia, Africa. That's where they're ministering. And actually, like Steve, what's that? Kalafuta. Kalafuta, yes. Uh, That's where they're at, exactly. All right. What were some of the prayer requests that Brian brought up? Some of the Metal issues. Roofs. Metal roofs. That's good. Phones. Do they have money over there? Money. Everybody needs money. Remember, uh, Tammy had that really yeah, cool. Some ladies' products. The the yeah. women's uh, products, the hygiene products for the teen girls. So they wouldn't have to miss school. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that was cool. Personal items. Yeah, that was really sweet that that she did that, and so that was some of them. And then Tammy's health. You know, Tammy's been having some health issues uh, the last few months. After Tammy, we had Amy Brundage here, or not Tammy, but after Brian and, and so Amy Brundage was here. That's the single one. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> I had to throw that out. And she's just as sweet as she is cute. Yeah, actually, I... I well, no, I'll tell you later. <laughs> All right, so what city and country is Amy at? Where's she at? Uh, she's in... Lima, Lima, Peru. Lima, Peru. All right, Batman. Here you go. Lots of candy bars. Amy Brundage is ministering in Lima, Peru. And she's there right now because she sent us a video over the weekend of, of her in Lima. 
What's she doing down there? Teacher. She is a teacher. Math teacher, right? But yeah, you guys really remember a lot about Amy. Amy. <laughs> what color were her eyes? We no. know where they are. Yeah, I know. All right, well, what were some of her prayer requests? About the school. Keeping the school going. The school's getting ready to close. Uh, her cousin or uncle runs a radio yeah. station down there, so she was going to work with that. And she was getting into the counseling, yeah. some counseling some of the, the <laughs> girls there. So yeah. Mom's down there with her right now, I think. Oh, okay, that's cool. Home with her this time. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Then a few weeks go by, and Christodos Erlis. I don't know if you guys. That was the morning we went into the sanctuary, and we had a combined Bible hour with Jeff's class. He had the Weezer glasses. He did. He had Weezer glasses on. I didn't know the black frame. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't remember that. So nice. Well, do you know? Do you remember what country he was from? Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, Romania. Close. Yeah. Uh, starts with a U. No, starts with I. India. Oh, India. He was an Indian. He was like the seventh or eighth kid of nine kids oh, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. He's actually where uh, we're supposed to go visit. He's supposed to pick me and Brian and some of the others up at the airport in India, assuming we still go. You notice they weren't looking at his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Brian's <laughs> <laughs> still on. He's still on, yeah. I'm ready. If they're flying, I'm going, man. I ain't afraid at all. I want to go. I bet your wife's a little afraid. Uh... Yeah, she hasn't said anything. Really? I would think she would be a little nervous. No, I think she knows me better. I'm, I'm going. Um, all right, so Christodos, we had the combined Bible hour, and does anyone remember what he spoke on? He did a really good message on the book of Isaiah. That was close. It starts with an R. Ruth. Oh. <laughs> he did a cool devotion on Ruth. You know, Ruth's only four chapters, and he did, it's kind of the path of the believer, of the Christian, you know, starting from... The Redeemer? Yeah, the Redeemer, you know, leaving her people, coming to God's people, your God's my God, she resting in the... She met Boaz, the type of Christ. Yeah, he did a good job with that. So the what book of the Bible did he take us to? It was Ruth. All right, then a few weeks go by, and Pam got up here. Oh. Yeah, I remember when Pam spoke, and she encouraged us to consider participating in a trip that she went on, a missions trip. Monmouth? Monmouth, Illinois, Maple City Baptist. <laughs> she went up there last, I think you've done it several times. So when is that annual trip that Pam encouraged us to go on? November. It's a November-ish time frame. We go out there for their vision conference. They're coming here in a few weeks for ours. In November, we go out there for theirs. And then Pat's message a few weeks ago. He also talked about the 1040 window. So what is it and why is it a mission field? 10 degrees above the equator, 40 degrees yep. above the equator, and it's where most of the uh, unreached people religions. Dominant religions. Man, you guys are just... Let me get rid of a few more here. Boo! <laughs> oh. right. Yeah, that's a good answer. You're exactly correct. That's what the 1040 is. That was mostly uh, Unreached people groups, the dominant relig- world religions are there. Islam and... Hinduism and Buddhism. Man, rich. <laughs> it's on fire. Yeah. All right, so that's kind of a review of where we've come. And then 
the weeks in between, we've been talking about all the missionaries that are listed on the second page of your handout. On the back page there, that second page. And remember, we have the two, HBF works with two types or two categories, the supported and approved. Um, I was going to go through, well, we got time. All those blank t- uh, blanks there, those are the missionaries that are, I'm going to put this on hold for a second. Uh, I don't know how to put this on hold. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Those missionaries aren't there. Well, the, here, I'll just do all right, the first, okay, the supported missionaries, number one is AP. You guys remember that's Ann Pierce. Yeah. She's in China, northern China, but now she's actually in Taiwan with yeah. the first group we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, so she's kind of hiding out in Taiwan until this, the Rona's gone. All right, uh, number, and so she's in, not Wutan, she's in Baotou, China. All right, the second one is Jim Mel, J.M., Jim Mel. He's in Cairo, Egypt. And I've heard he's coming home from the mission field. Well, actually, he is. Randy talked about it a few weeks ago. But he's still a supportive missionary. Number three, uh, uh, Doug Pearson. He's in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. And those three are in restricted areas because it's it's against the law to evangelize and uh, converts and such. All right, then the next few we've talked about. Brad, we're going to see next week, hopefully, and then some of the others. Uh, Jeff Barker, yeah, he was supposed to be here with a vision conference. That's a bummer that he can't. Um, and Pradeep and John. Now, okay, now this, the other column on the other side, the approved missionaries. These are the missionaries that we approve of their work. We support them when we can. Pray for them often, but we're not able to send them a monthly check like we do the supported first one is that Samer Abraham he's like I said I've mentioned him many times he's kind of my favorite because he's just on the front line he's in northern Iraq Uh, he's running that Muslims website getting people converted uh, answers about Muslims number two is James Fife which he's the keynote speaker at our vision conference I don't know if you've heard James he's a very good speaker I've heard him a few times, and it's always just really good. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he's got to say at the conference. And then on down, Amy, Brian, we've talked about all of them. So we only have four left that we haven't talked about. And that's what we're going to cover this morning. Put my mic back in. All right, so the first one on our next page on your handout is the Heckmans. Let me set that here. The Heckmans. These guys are local folks. Uh, Mark grew up in Sedalia. They were from the Raytown area. They went to Kansas City Baptist Temple, like a lot of these folks do. Um, they've been in Taiwan for about 10 or more years. Actually, looks like almost 20. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, Mark, on your handout, there's a couple interesting things about Mark. Um, well, first off, he he is he calls himself the discipleship pastor. He's not as much pastoring a church over there. It seems like he's more about doing conferences and workshops and doing D two two pastors. Um, so it's a little different, man. But he's really over there just 
just focusing on discipleship. Even his business card out here in the uh, that's stapled in the little case, he calls himself discipleship pastor, uh, discipleship training. He's got a very good website uh, down there toward the bottom. It's www.teamfortaiwan. Uh, a lot of pictures on it. Uh, he has a blog where he does a lot of updates on these D2 workshops. And he run, he, he's got this thing called China that he's, that's his little mantra, Christ and his image in Asia. It's kind of in the middle of your hand out there. And notice how his mission statement, it says their mission statement is the China. Look at the last line of the mission statement. To return them with the ministry of reconciliation, which is kind of what Steve talked about. The biblical definition of missions is reconciling people with God and restoring that fallen image. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, they've got some Facebook accounts, but uh, they don't seem like they update them a whole lot. But where is Taiwan? Uh, yeah, that's their picture. I think I pulled that picture of them off the the website. Yeah, I got that off one of their websites. All right, Taiwan. You know, we all know Taiwan. Our shoes, most of our shoes come here from here. It's a little island off the coast of China. It's actually what's interesting though is it's part of China, but they're not under the uh, like anti-Christian persecution, I guess, that the mainland China has. These guys are pretty open about what they're doing there and their Christianity and that. And Anne Pierce is from northern China, and she's just down here in Taiwan now, hanging out with the Heckmans until she can go back. Um, is the island, like, secluded right now? Quarantined? Yeah. I don't know. You know, this morning uh, I went through all these missionaries we're going to talk about today to get updates on the, the corona, and, and they didn't have anything on theirs, and I don't know about it. It's on prayer request. It is. It, it is on the prayer request. They've mentioned it, but it's nothing... Not like Stetson that we're going to talk about here in a little bit in Italy. He's in Italy. Um, Taiwan. So that's where it's at. It's a little island off the coast of uh, of China. They're in the second largest city, this this Taichung city. Uh, I think the capital's Taipei. This is the second most populous. It's a real populous little island. I've pulled some pictures. They they work a lot with the uh, the, uh, the kids in school and universities. They do Bible studies. Uh, they do all kinds of stuff there. They, they got some pretty neat pictures on their website. A few facts about Taiwan. It's a little island. It's part of the China Republic. Taiwan means terraced bay. I didn't know that until I looked it up. It's a real pretty country. Uh, lots of people. Tai- Taiwan is very dense. Um, lots of earthquakes. They love their karaoke. Thousands of earthquakes per year. Yeah, because they're part of that ring of... Ring of fire. Ring of fire, that's it. Where uh, the South Pacific, all the... Pacific Yeah, that. A lot of earthquakes over there. Yeah, I forgot about that. Now, this was what I thought was cool. Taiwan is about the size of Maryland. It's not very big at all. And it's got like 6,000 7-Elevens. They love their 7-Elevens. And over there... In Taiwan, Seven uh, Elevens are like Walmart. They sell everything. You pay your taxes at Seven Eleven. If you get a, you, pay your taxes? you do all kinds of stuff. It's got post offices in them. Wow. They, they're, yeah. That's right. They got a little uh, icon. All this. this is really funny to read about the differences. They love the Seven Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. No quick trip yet. Oh, there, there would be the fights. Yeah. So, not many people. And- 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that little like Maryland. It's a very wow. dense, very dense place. I, yeah. Um, but they have a lot of social issues. You know, they got they're very different than China, and they actually legalized gay marriage a year ago. Uh, they have freedom of religion that China doesn't have, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So that's that's Taiwan. That's where uh, the Heckmans are ministering. I want to say something about. Uh, yeah. Let me say something about. Uh, my knees are. But uh, I think most of us in this room would be interested. Uh, when we were starting our recovery group, uh, I think Brian suggested that Mark Heckman. Uh, Mark had been an alcoholic. Mark, Mark had been real bad alcoholic before the Lord saved him, and uh, he came to my home, and so it, uh, I feel a little bit connected with him just for that reason. Uh, probably eight or ten years ago, he came to our home and uh, shared his testimony and just how God uh, brought him through that, and you know, just kind of like Brian Calloway, had, oh yeah, addict, and uh, anyway, now they're missionaries. So that's just kind of cool thing that uh, maybe not everybody knows. That I don't think he would mind me sharing. That. Yeah, I didn't know that. He doesn't mention any of that on his his testimonies and. You know his his uh, blogs and his website, the Team for Taiwan. It's just man, that guy is just busy. He he goes all through Taiwan. He actually goes over into Nepal. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who he's working with, but he's doing conferences over there. So he's kind of traveling that whole Southeast Asia area, putting on these D2, training other pastors. So yeah, he's doing some real good work. So that's Mark Heckman. I've never met him, but I'll have to ask him about his Seven Elevens. Yeah, what I Don't mention the word quick trip. Yeah, quick trip. Like said, <laughs> the next guy is uh, Mike Renault. And he was actually here, gosh, I don't know if it was a Bible conference. I think it was the Bible conference. Well, the Vision Conference. Okay, there it is. I got it on your handout because I actually watched his presentation. Yeah, on, on your handout under Mike Renault, down toward the bottom, is that YouTube video. That's actually HBF's YouTube uh, channel there. Mike Renault was here last April. I can't believe it's been a year. Isn't that weird how time flies? Because I just remember meeting him and seeing him. But And I watched it again uh, this week just to bone up on what he said because he gave us a good update. So here's the deal with Mike. He actually, the, him and his family here, they live in Green Valley still. They're in Green Valley. Uh, they went to the Kansas City Baptist Temple, and they actually helped start Midtown. They helped helped in that church plant, uh, and they're still active at Midtown. He's one of the pastors down at Midtown, and he feels the Lord leading them to Boston to start another church. Um, he's an attorney, which is kind of cool. He's in a, he has a law practice in Lee Summit. And that's the uh, the www.microno.com that's on here. And that's a really good website. He gives his testimony. Uh, and he also gives detail about all the different laws that he practices, family law, criminal law, all kinds of tax things. Uh, so he updates that a lot. He has Facebook accounts, but he doesn't really update them, so I didn't put those on here. Uh, his brother, Dan Renault, you may have heard of, his brother Dan also went to Midtown, and Dan left Midtown and started a church in Lee Summit a few years ago. So that's pretty neat. So now his brother Mike's going to leave and go to Boston. 
Um, so right now they're they're in the same situation that Kale Horvath, who's going to Hungary, is in. They're raising funds and support to go to Boston. Why Boston? Well, he this is what was I pulled out of that video when he presented to us last August. And he, he went through detail on how dark Boston is. And it was very interesting that it's it's um, it's a dark city because their god is education. You know, you, when you think of Boston, you think of the Harvard and the Cambridges, and and there's just like dozens of universities in the Boston area. Very few, you know, Bible-believing churches in Boston. So whenever he was out there on business or doing something out there, there was like nowhere to go. It's a very dark place. They're actually a big Catholic. Uh, what churches they are? There. Yeah, they're Catholic. Okay, yeah. I have a friend that's from there. Yep. Yeah, he does mention that. Catholic. There's a lot of Catholic the out old there. Catholic churches. Very few people attend church, and he's not really counting the Catholics yeah. and yeah, going over there. Yeah. Well, but what what he he did bring out a contrast that, that is interesting. If you know history, like United States history, church history. You know, America's had uh, like the seven great awakenings, revivals that have come across America. And the first one did kind of start in Boston. Wow. Uh, so when the Puritans and the, and the Quakers and such came over from England, you know, at one time Boston was, you know, a good, solid church, you know, Bible-believing city, and now it's not. So that's why he feels called to go over there. And another one is this last bullet here he brings out. Because of all the schools... There's over 60,000 highly educated foreign students in Boston that if he could reach these guys while they're here for four or six years, whatever, they're going to go back to their sending country as believers, kind of missionaries, built-in missionaries. Wow. So that was kind of cool. Sleeper cells. Sleeper cell, yeah. <laughs> so that's why, uh, that's why Boston is on, on Mike's heart. Um, see if there's anything else stands out here. Nope. All right, so that's Mike, Mike Renowin family. Next is Stetson. This guy's interesting. He he is uh, Stetson. Randy has sent several emails about Stetson. I don't know when Randy met him, but he is a recent addition to our approved missionaries. They're in Italy, which you know Italy's been under quarantine for a while now. Um, and I've got a whole page off of here. That's what I was getting ready to say. He does. Steve, look at his picture. He looks like Mark. Mark Lockwood? Yeah. There's a lot of similarity. You know, I've never seen him in the same place. But yeah, go out there and look at him and then stand him up next to him. Yeah. Well, they're in Verona, Italy. I don't really see it. It might be. Yeah, I don't really. Uh, maybe. Well, not this one. Well, that's little head there, too. Yeah. All right, here's where they're at. Here's where, where Stetson's at. He's up here in the north part of Italy. Corona, Corona. It might as well be. <laughs> Corona. Kevin, you're bad. I mean, you know, Italy is shut down because of the Rona. Yeah. Um, all right, so they started out. They've been in Rome for a while. And, and what's neat with Stetson, okay, remember those passages about Paul in the Bible, in the New Testament, where he didn't want to minister where other people had already been. He wanted to break his own ground and go places where others hadn't been. 
And that was kind of that's kind of Stetson's attitude. He was in Rome ministering, but there was, there was a lot of other people there too. He wanted to go somewhere remote where there, no one had really plowed yet. And God laid on his heart Verona because it's pretty unreached, yeah. at least for Bible believers. So they moved there a few years ago, and that's where he's at now. Uh, he's got a he's got a really killer website. It's down there toward the bottom of your. Um, on your handout on him. The Italian Souls for Christ. Is that put down there toward the bottom? The Planks run, or Planks run an excellent website, Italian Souls for Christ. That is a very high quality website. It's got flash, it's got moving pictures, um, it's got his testimony, his wife Sandy's testimony. It's very good. Belief statements, mission statements, why they're there, uh, the issues. He's got a blog that he updates, and that's the the blog that Randy Foster sent out a week or so ago, where he gives the update on the corona, how their their city is shut down. The kids have been out of school for three weeks. Uh, you know, food rationing and all the problems therein, and. Uh, so it's really a very good site, very interesting site. And then he talks about on the prayer requests on the bottom, they're trying to find a better place to live. The rents up, like this month or next month. Uh, housing's very expensive up there, uh, and the, the whole coronavirus thing. So that's Stetson. Yeah, he's been doing church over Skype for the last two or three weeks. They all Skype in. Skype is like a, it's like a WhatsApp or. Facebook, FaceTime, I think they call it. I talked to, I talked to my ex, Rachel, yesterday, and they said that all the churches down in Lexington were doing that. They were pretty much out of them. Really? Yeah. Of course, I don't know about the small ones. Yeah, we might, we might one of these weeks. All the churches around here are shut down. I think so. I think they are. We're doing it. We're doing it over Facebook. Yeah. We've done that. Ours works pretty well, too. Uh, so anyway, that's what he's been doing. They've been Skyping. So. This guy's a... Uh, okay. this, uh, Stetson is an engineer by trade and just very uh, detailed. I think that's what oh, is he? maybe attracted Randy to him. Just maybe... I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah you have an engineer on here on this. Yeah, I pulled this off his website. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. I know in the third paragraph. Yeah. How long has he been over there? That's one thing I don't. Are they? He's been there. I couldn't quite to know. They've been in Rome for several years, but they've only been in Verona for about a year or two, maybe not very long. Is that accurate? Seven thousand dollars, or is that? That's what he said. Seven. Uh, at seven thousand. That's what he put. They use lira. I just wondered if it was yeah some other amount. I mean, oh. not dollars. Yeah. No. So what did they do to try to reach Crazy. the loss? Uh, you know, I don't remember him offhand. I've read so many lately. Well, it says he does a lot of. Public, like in the mailboxes, trash. Yeah, public. evangelism. I know he is a pastor. He does run a Bible study. He, oh, he has a church that he's planted. Yeah, he has a church. It's different than like Heckman. I don't think he runs he's his own. Very strategic. Uh, I mean, I think he does, like you're saying, mailers. But he does visitation. He's got <laughs> listings of who's responsive, and he's really. 
he's, he's really trying to reach his yeah, so, reach his city. It's a really good website. You know that Jim made. So statistically, this is correct. This seems to take about two years of constant ministering, huh. witnessing many times before someone receives Christ wow. there. Mm-hmm. So he probably has statistically. He can yeah. tell you. You know, this is what I've done, and this is how we. Yeah. Monitor success. So, so none of us have really met him, I don't think. But <coughs> so I think Randy gets several calls or emails or visits to the church a month, and I think that's kind of how we came across Stetson. And so Randy just prays to have discernment to, because uh, pretty much everybody now talk about discipleship, church planning, and raising up national pastors. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this guy kind of stood out from who Randy fielded, uh, you know, uh, monies from or whatever. And uh, so we put him on our list of approved missionaries. So we hope to have him here sometime. And uh, uh, I know our pastors would like to take kind of a tour of Europe and visit the Howies in Romania, the Stetson in Italy. Oh, man, that'd be uh, fun. Wow. Jeff Bartel's work that was in Albania. Okay. And uh, so we have several contacts in Asia. Uh, we probably can't go to Anne, but uh, but in, in uh, Europe. Huh. And then Kale Horvath, uh, Horath in uh, Hungary. So Yeah, that's true, because there's Hungary. I so mean, that's a trip I know our pastors want to take, is kind of a European tour of our missionaries. <clears throat> well, that'd be fun. Yeah, Steve's right. Like I've read, I've read through all of these missionaries' Facebooks and blogs, and Stetson's is something different about it. It's very technical. It's very well thought out. He's very strategic. strategic. It's, it's he's a very cool dude. He's really good. All right, so why Verona? This is some stuff I pulled off his site, and it's like I mentioned, uh, they were already in Rome ministering, but they they wanted to go somewhere where other people weren't. There was no Baptist churches up there in Verona, so they, that's why they headed up there. Uh, this is Verona's, uh, it's called the Rome of Northern Italy. Um, and then he was encouraged to go there by some other local pastors and missionaries. Okay, three years. He's been there three years. It's 300 miles north of Rome. So that's that's kind of... Remember a song called My Corona? <laughs> it's My Corona now, I think. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, My Corona, the knack. All right, so that was Stetson. So, yeah, that'll be fun to meet him because he's a very technical guy, very intentional, seems like. Which all the, all these missionaries are. I mean, they all have good plans and all that kind of stuff. All right, so this is the last guy that's on our list that we're going to talk about. He was here at the Bible conference. And I don't know if you guys remember Sid. Very cool dude. Uh, older guy. His beard's a lot longer. This is an old picture. I tried to find a better picture of him. but He does, man. It's, it's almost like mine, but his is gray. Here's good, Mark. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's, that's all right. That's cool. Take out some life insurance on you. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I'm proud of it, man. I've earned my grades. You know, They're wisdom highlights. They're wisdom highlights. I like that. Yeah, I'm, They've got some, some stuff in the tent. Oh, yeah, I could do, do blue or something. <laughs> you like uh, those punk rockers. All right, here's Sid and his wife, Golden. They're an older couple, and he has a very cool ministry. 
which you may remember if if you were here at the vision. You know how we make our Bibles at our Bible conference. Someone's got to deliver them. You know, we have cases and pallets of Bibles, and that's where Sid comes in. He's got trucks, he's got trailers, he's got guys, he's got forklifts, and he like takes the Bibles that churches make and runs them around the country and distributes them. Actually, a lot of them go down to Mexico. Right there with all the Bible. Is that Bible? Yeah, these are Bible. This is another church doing like what we do. You know, it's a Bible assembly thing. And, and Sid picks these things up. He's got a good Facebook page. I put it down there on the bottom. Gospel Transport and Distribution. Mm-hmm. Is that how some of them got lost or whatever? Uh, I don't know. The ones that were going to Jamaica, I think. I don't know if it was a boat. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, but... He does a lot of uh, trips down into Mexico where he, he, he sets up uh, tables in these city markets. And, and it's cool to see like these people. with You can't see it from where you're at, but this is like a John and Romans, like what we make that he's given this guy. And he's got all these pictures of people just reading the, the Bibles as he passes them out. Uh, teens and it's it's really cool. He's got a good little Facebook page there, and they update it pretty often. Um, and I've got his testimony on here. I pulled this off of uh, whenever he was here. Kathy had a little paragraph about him that I got from her, and that's uh, kind of tells how him and his wife they got saved early, they're retired, and they just drive around the country distributing these things. <laughs> And he always signs his newsletters and, and his communications with that Ezekiel 33, 1 through 6. is a little story about being the, the watchman on the wall. That's kind of his verse. Wow. 14 grandchildren? Yeah. Yeah, he's been busy. Or someone has. They're not always on the road. Yeah. So anyway, his prayer request is at the bottom. Uh, you know, they always need money to help help cover the gas, trailers, forklifts, and, and safety. You know, they they spend their life on the road delivering the the gospel. So he had a new trailer when he was here last fall. He just had it specially built. It was like eighteen thousand for. Yeah, trailer. yeah, that was cool. It was out front here. We loaded it up and. Uh, he's just a real neat, good old boy. He's really cool. You know, I almost, almost bet or guarantee yeah. that uh, the, all the Bibles that were lost are going to go somewhere that they wouldn't have intended on going, and as God's word won't return void. Yeah, that's true. It was eight fifty-five? Definitely not return void. Well, they did. They ended no. up. Oh, did they? Yeah, didn't they end up? Someone ended up. Receiving them that. I don't remember. I don't think I heard an update. I think it seems like Joe Hendricksman was somehow involved. Yeah, he was. In that. They received Bibles that had gotten misplaced. Okay. And they, yeah. Yeah, I knew something about that. I don't remember the details. I forgot. Anyway. So that's Sid and, and Golden. That's our last of the approved missionaries. So now if, if you look back on that second page on your handout, we've went through all of these now. Um, and, and like I mentioned last week, since we've started, we've actually removed one or two, and then this is a dynamic fluid list. I think we're getting ready to add the Eddie Zis, Zis that'll be here in a few weeks. It'll be here on a Wednesday, actually, in, in a couple weeks. 
Ash, where's he at? Philippines? Yeah. So I'm going to try to come and hear him. So that'll be good. All right, so that kind of wraps up for missionaries. So what I wanted to do now, I'm going to kind of divert just a shade. <clears throat> no, no, no. would not do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> now my testimony is, uh, is easy. All right. It's the kind of kind of all right. We've talked about all these missionaries. Well, now, kind of step back and think about missions and all the different missions and missionaries and and God's plan that He's done in the Bible. So, on the on the last page of your handout, um, are are kind of examples. I mean, of mission, the missionary theme of God's plan. And I just kind of laid out some things that are obvious. You know, how Adam was told to be fruitful, and Noah and his sons are told to be fruitful. And bearing fruit is always God's plan for our life. You know, God made all these covenants with man, and in each of the covenants, we're told to be fruitful. Um, Adam was, or Abraham was called out to be a missionary, to start a missionary na- uh, nation. Uh, the young Jewish maid that I mentioned there in Second Kings 5, that's the whole story of Naaman where the little girl is uh, captured against her will and she's living in Syria, still telling them about God's, God's message. Um, Esther, remember the book of Esther? Little Jewish girl that ends up uh, as a queen. Uh, giving, uh, saving our people. Um, all, right, all the prophets. If you think about all the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, all these guys, they were all missionaries. You know, they all had a, a, a message that God sent them out with. Um, they were all faithful and obedient to deliver the message, except for Jonah. He was a little different. And then Daniel. You know, listed Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were the guys, and that's actually Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are the Babylonian names. Yeah. You know, those guys, they were captured as young teens and, and grew up in Babylon, and they may remain true to their upbringing, and, and uh, they were an example of God's love and message to the people they live with so much so that Daniel chapter 4 was written by Nebuchadnezzar a Gentile king that really came to know God, the true God because of their witness as little missionaries in Babylon so that's kind of neat, it's a real chapter of praise written by Nebuchadnezzar John the Baptist of course he was sent to prepare the way for Jesus, Jesus left his home, he was a missionary left his home to be among his people, Philip. I mean, the Bible's full of it. Pretty much everybody in the Bible was a missionary. Had God's message that they went out to to deliver. Um, so now the last page, we got a few minutes here. What I did want to talk about for a second are a couple of Jimmy's faves. These are, whenever I think about missions and whenever I think about my responsibility to communicate, what? 
When I, yeah, when I think about my responsibility as a believer, as a Christian, as someone that's been redeemed, my responsibility to turn around and share the gospel with others, these are like two of the stories that I'll always kind of think of. These are my favorites. Uh, they're really an example of, you know, like I say, my responsibility now that I, that I know the Lord. And the first one is the salvation of Mephibosheth. Is he the one with the suspenders that you... Oh, that was Amos. Oh. That was my favorite prophet, my favorite minor. Yeah, I have a lot of favorites. but uh, Actually, Mephibosheth is one that I... Um, it's very rich in application. I've actually mentioned him and taught over him a couple times in here. Um, it's really a story of, of, of how we should reach the unreached, the people that have no word, the people that that are out there in the wilderness wandering around. So, let's, let's get our Bibles here. Let's check this little story out. It's, it's very neat. I wish Zach was in here. Because um, we were talking about pulling principles out of the Bible this morning. So what we're looking for is, uh, the story of Mephibosheth is in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Second Samuel chapter nine. Yeah, my family. And let me set the story up a, a tad here. Um, king David. We all know King David. He's king of Israel. When when chapter nine starts out here, David is around thirty years old. Okay, David is now king of Israel. And he's on the throne, and he's, he's right where God wants him to be. But, you know, he has spent the last 10 or 15 years getting there. God's been working on him and preparing him for the throne that now he has. He's been um, persecuted by his enemies. He's been hiding in caves. People try to kill him. He's had a, a, rough, a rough life. But he's overcome all that with God, you know, his faith in God, and now he's the king of Israel. You know, remember David wrote most of the Psalms. I mean, this guy has experienced life, and now he's at like the pinnacle. This is like David's apex of his of his life. He's finally the king. Just like us, you know, we are. All of us here are, are believers, and, and we've come a long way from where we first started, and now we're like where we should be. We're right in the, in the center of God's will for our life, hopefully. All right, so let's pick it up. Uh, chapter 9, verse. I'll start in verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember, Jonathan was his good friend. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said, And you are thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And yeah, I'm Ziba. All right, verse 3. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, which Saul was his enemy, remember, is there not any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Well, where is he? 
And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Well, then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And then when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said to Mephibosheth, Art thou Mephibosheth? And he said, Yes, I am. Okay, verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, my father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. So that little story there, it's, just, it's, it's a neat little story that we can pull a lot of cool stuff out, out of that shows the, the, the reconciliation of this unreached guy named Mephibosheth. So let's kind of go back and look a little bit. Back in verse... Uh, yeah, this, this is a pretty pregnant passage here. But the king says... Even though he's on the throne and he, he could just sit back on his sit back in his easy chair, put his feet up, and just enjoy being king, he remembers that a covenant and a promise was made to the household of Saul, to people. And he wants to honor that covenant. So that's that's pretty cool that he wants he's still remembering people that are not as well off as he is. So he says, Is there anybody left out of this guy's house, out of this guy's family? And then the servant Ziba says, Yeah, there's a guy named Mephibosheth. And in verse 3, Mephibosheth is lame on his feet. And that's a key phrase. Whenever you read your Bible and it's talking about feet, it will always be talking about your relationship with God, your walk. Whereas if you read about hands, it's talking about what you do. Well, the fact that Mephibosheth was lame on his feet is he had no, it's, he had no relationship with God. So he's, he's unreached. And then when he says, where's he at? In verse 4, he's living with a guy named Macker, which means sold. He's been sold into slavery. And he's living in, a, in Lodabar. Lodabar means like no, no voice, no word. Lodabar was actually an area in eastern Israel that was desolate wilderness. They had... There was nothing out there. I mean, David lived in Jerusalem, the center of God's program. Well, Mephibosheth, the guy that has no relationship with God, is living out in the remote deserts where there's no, no word. So David has a burden for this guy. So he sends Ziba, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, to go out and get Mephibosheth and restore him, bring him back into God's house with God's people. So that's just a cool story of, of, of missions and how we're to go out to the unreached people that are living in Lodabar. Because we all, we all know people that are living in the wilderness, of course. And I put this little table together. Facts about Mephibosheth. Facts about unreached people and the similarities. You know, Mephibosheth was actually part of Saul's family and was in line. Mephibosheth himself would have been the king if Saul had stayed on the throne. But Mephibosheth was dropped as a little kid and broke his feet. That's that's another story. So that's why he ends up lame. So he had a, he also had a fallen image. You know, we we if Adam hadn't ascended, we would also be in a more exalted place. So Mephibosheth 
would have been, but because of a fall, not his fault, uh, he was out in the wilderness with no word. Yeah, good. Just like, like well, just like the 1040 window, those people are lame on their feet, even though a covenant has been made that they don't know about. They are out in the wilderness with no word, living in Lodabar. And, and it's our job to go seek them out and restore them. So, so kind of the moral of this story, that we're kind of like David. We are part of God's program. We're living in, in the palace, in the temple. We are kings and priests. Yes, I should have put that. We are kings and priests. And queens. So it's our job to go out and find the Mephibosheths of the world. Yeah, queens. Well, actually, you've got to, well, I won't go there. Yeah, so we're to show the kindness to the Mephibosheths that we run across that are out there. And, and then on the flip side, if you're a Mephibosheth, I don't think we are, but there are people living in the wilderness that are... I met one the other day. Yeah, we, we meet them every day. And I love the Mephibosheth story, and, and you can teach it multiple different ways, but I've always liked the... We need to seek out the Mephibosheths that we come into contact with, people that have no relationship with God. So, it's one of my favorites. And that little table there is... Uh, I actually have this table written in my Bible. I wrote it a long time ago. I actually have a lot more than these, but I didn't have room to put all of them. But it's a very neat little story about how we should care for those that are Mephibosheths. When I witnessed to my little Mephibosheth, I used uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Is that the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right, so my next favorite, and I've only got a few minutes here. This is my, my second okay. next favorite story over time. i got a couple minutes. The Four Lepers. This is another very cool story that I think about whenever I'm somewhere and I know I need to speak up and, 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 witness, and be a witness for the Lord. Over in 2 Kings 7, 2 Kings chapter 7, most of my favorites are in the Old Testament, actually. I just love the Old Testament. I wish Zach was here. Me and him were talking about the Old Testament this morning. And I don't know. He was here. He may be talking with someone. Oh, yeah, I bet he is. I'm sure he's doing something good. I'm just. We were talking about this exact same thing this morning. So, all right, in 2 Kings 7. Yeah, 2 Kings chapter 7. Here's, here's the deal. Here's what's going on here. Jerusalem, you know, that's where the temple was, that's the center of God's program, is under siege by the enemy. The Syrian army has circled Jerusalem. They've cut it off from the world, and it's been going on for a couple years. Uh, the people in the city are starving. It's actually pretty graphic in chapter 6. Well, they're, they're eating their own children as they die. I mean, they've got cannibalism going on. It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty dire. They're in a bad way in Jerusalem. Where are these four lepers that are? It's like they've got the corona. They've been kicked out of the city. They've got the curse of death on their bodies, and they're living outside the city. All right. So that's where we're going to pick it up in verse uh, chapter seven, Second Kings chapter seven, down at verse three. 
And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit here until we die? If we say we'll enter into the city, then the famine's in the city, and we'll die there. If we sit here, we're going to die. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. And if they save us, we'll live. And if they kill us, we're still going to die. So they're in, a, they're in a bad way. If we go back in the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go over to the enemy, we, may live. we might live or die. They're going to die. They've got the curse of death on them. All right, verse 5. So they rose up in the twilight and middle of the night to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. The enemy's gone. And in verse 6, it talks about how God in the middle of the night had miraculously made the enemy camp hear chariots. And they got scared and they left. So then in verse 8, when these lepers show up at the enemy camp, in verse 8, when the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went in one tent, they ate and they drank and they carried silver and they found gold and clothes and they went and they hid it. They came again and entered in another tent they carried more stuff and they hid it. And they said one to another, then verse 9 is where it gets to us, verse 9. They're in there just eating and drinking, having a good time, verse 9. And then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. That's the verse that I always think about. Here's... These, these leprous people at the curse of death, they're going to die. They find the riches of God. God has provided them blessings. God has fought a battle they didn't fight and won them a bounty. And they're enjoying all the riches of, of God. Just like we are here every Sunday, we're learning all this great Bible, all this knowledge. We feast at his table every Sunday and we eat till we're filled at this church. And then in verse 9 they realize, hey... Our friends in the city are starving and they need to know about these good tidings. And they realize that they're going to be held accountable for not letting them know. And we're going to be held accountable. At the judgment seat of Christ, God will judge all of us based on what we did with what we had. And we are here every week like these four lepers just... You know, pigs, pigs in tall cotton or whatever. Anyway, go ahead, Kevin. It reminds me of uh, so when we're blessed, we're supposed to give a blessing. That's what these guys are saying. Yeah, yeah it's we, they're saying, hey, we can't just sit here and get fat. We need to go tell the city they're dying back there, and that's the attitude we should have. That's a neat little picture of that. So, um, yeah, I put the moral. We, we can't be too busy enjoying the blessings of God and forget about starving people who need the good news. All right. So that's uh, that's the missions. I don't know, Steve, if you want to wrap up? I'm, that's all I got. I had to kind of go through that quick, so I think you got the gist. Hey, Steve, are you going to pray for Yeah. Can we pray for Joe Yes. Yeah.
Oh man, it gets pretty graphic in there. Even There's your children. Yeah. yeah. We're going to eat chili. <laughs> oh gosh. No, I'm going to eat him alive or something. That was rich, wasn't it? That was rich. Yeah. Rich. Just a warning there, if we hold our peace, you know, shame on us. So we need to go and tell. That's what it said. Thank you. Go and tell. Go and tell. So let's all try to meet next Sunday morning, 945, 845. 845, be here, be square. Be here, be square. And uh, we'll travel to uh, Clinton together, Lord willing. If not, we'll come in here. And uh, I'll, I'll prepare some. I know Jim's really focusing on India, so uh, I'll prepare something for here next week if we're here. And I've got some stuff prepared for there when we go there. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's do pray.